Biofriendly Podcast. It's the Biofriendly Podcast. I don't see any reason why, now after that long anticipation and waiting to start, that we don't just dive in. This was the most complicated it startup really we've was. ever had. <laughs> I think including our first podcast I think so, so many years ago. I know. I mm. know. There's so many moving parts now. That's moving what happens parts. when you when your podcast gets in the hundreds. Yeah. When you have hundreds. Well, we're in the hundreds. In the hundreds. hundreds of episodes. <laughs> Ah, uh-huh. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's episode 112, dude. What? 112. We have not done 112 episodes. Yes, we have. No, we're at 111 episodes. Let's not forget about all those episodes we did that we lost, remember? Oh, we the, had lost a, episodes. the lost episodes. That's true. So we've yeah. done thousands. Thousands. <laughs> we've been in our doing, mind. We've been doing this in our mind forever. But lost, lost episodes, huh? I like yeah. <laughs> Oh, we refer to them all the time. Yes, it's, it's, yeah, yes. they're very they're they're the ones everybody wishes they could hear, but they yes. can't actually hear because they're lost. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. But now for the listeners, you hear a, a third party, which means fourth party. Fourth party, because yeah. You're right. We have a lease too. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta fourth party. We gotta get used to this new show. Uh, Look, right, man. Well, let's introduce him, and then I'll go into my rant about the new, sh- the, the complications of our of our new enhanced. Okay, that podcast. sounds good. Well, you heard the voice if you're listening and not watching the show. You heard the voice of our guest today, which is Paul Butner from California Rice Commission. Mm-hmm. Yep. Welcome to the Biofriendly Podcast, we, a very professional show. Very professional. Do we pronounce all of your names correctly? Because we have a, ha- a history and a habit of pronouncing everyone's name incorrectly. Great. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Paul it. Butner with the California Rice Commission, and I'm also the executive director of the California Ricelands Waterbird Foundation. Nice. Yes. Welcome I mean, to the show, yeah, Paul. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, we, we're, we've, so we, we got, because we, we've got more happening now, we got, we're doing the, the live thing on, the, on yeah. the, the, the clubhouse, and now we have Elise has jumped in to join the show. And, uh, and, and anyways, we, need a, we got a whole new setup down here. So we have this new equipment, yeah. and <clears throat> every week there seems to be a new challenge that comes with trying to make the new equipment work. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then the, the, the clubhouse thing. I don't. I just. I keep insisting that we do it, and then I, f- I feel like like Jacob and Elise are like, "Why do we keep putting this thing up?" But I know <laughs> he's a believer. I know this will eventually You're work. A pop off. We yeah. just keep at it; yeah. it will eventually work. That, or I'll just be the idiot who makes us do a clubhouse every week for no reason. If clubhouse was existing in the physical world, it's like we're kids, and we're Noel kids. built a clubhouse I in his backyard, in a and a he's in a tree, standing alone uh-huh. with a newspaper like hat, yes, and a and a wooden sword, and yes. he's like, "I swear." They'll yeah. come. They'll come. <laughs> People will join my club, my clubhouse. Yes, absolutely. But that's been most what? of my life, actually, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> just swearing, <laughs> swearing that people will come hang out with me, oh. and no one ever shows up. Well, this is a this is a guest today who's who's at least on the same time zone as us because he's in plus. California. He's yeah. just a few hours up there, so we could go visit him now that things are starting to. Loosen up. We could go up to the the California rice lands. Wouldn't that be cool? I would love that. Yeah, we should do a, a remote podcast. Yeah, that would, would, be would awesome. that be all right, Paul? If we visited you up there at some point. Absolutely, I'm fully va- vaccinated, so I'm safe. Awesome, Same. awesome. I'm halfway there, so I'm not far behind you. <laughs> we'll be so, we'll be all set by the time we see you. Yeah. We, we promise. We yeah. won't show up in hazmat suits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd welcome having you out. That'd be great. Awesome. That'd be awesome. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. You and I have gotten a chance to talk a couple times. You've had a pretty cool journey that led you to the Waterbird Foundation from all the way back in the 90s. Would you would you start out just a little bit uh, about, you know, how you got involved with the California Rice Commission and, and, and just kind of your story so far? We'd love to hear it. Sure. So, um, yeah. So when when I first graduated from college, I went to work for the California Air Resources Board. 
Uh, carb. Nice. I really thought I was going to be at the airboard my whole career. I was there for over 10 years. And um, the last couple of years I was there, rice growers in the Sacramento Valley that were being forced to uh, phase down their rice straw burning. So it was a very, um, you know, it was a very tense time. There was a lot of uncertainty. The rice growers, you know, really didn't know, you know, if they were going to uh, be able to, you know, manage their rice straw after that. Because yeah. burning yeah. was a very effective way to get rid of their rice straw. So burning was and, the way that they would do it. And then that was, of course, frustrating the, the Air Resources Board because that puts the pollution up in the air. Exactly. And so what happened was we worked with the Air Resources Board and we phased down our rice straw burning in, in, in the 90s. And I was there and I wrote that regulation. And uh, then uh, after that, uh, uh, there became an opportunity to go to work for the Rice Commission. And the air quality was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah rice industry at that time because of the phase down of rice straw burning. And so anyway, um, uh, that um, parlayed into uh, going to work for the California Rice Commission. And I've been there for over 20 years. Wow. And wow. Uh, so, and over that time, what happened was uh, when we phased down rice straw burning, we still needed to be able to decompose that rice straw. Yeah, so, it seems like if you take away the solution they have, you got to come up with something else, right? Otherwise, they're they're hosed. They're going to so, be even more angry at the rice. And then you know what angry rice people <laughs> angry are Angry like. rice people. It's all swords. <laughs> so it's yeah. a battle. It's yes. a battle to the death. Absolutely. Anyway, go, yeah, you're, go ahead. So, get used to that, by the way. We, we are terrible <laughs> about tangents, interrupting. We like to make our guests have to explain things for 20 minutes yes. just to get through one point. Yeah, so, yeah. So, but, but, so, so you caused this problem for the, for, the, you know, for, for the rice farmers, and then they had to come up with a solution to it. And so then where, where, where do we go from there? So we worked with uh, UC Davis and Ducks Unlimited at the time, and we developed a strategy where we could winter flood our rice fields. What, is that, uh, what does that mean? Winter so flooding. What it means is, so rice growers will plant their crop about this time of year, about okay. April, May. It'll grow throughout the summer. There's just one crop a year. They'll harvest it about uh, September. Okay. And then uh, after that uh, comes a winter season where there's no crop in the ground at all. And okay. way back when, that was when we would burn all of the rice straw was in the fall. Okay. And gotcha. so now... We developed this idea where we just reflood the fields uh, in the winter time to re- to decompose that rice straw. Well, that's really how it started. Okay. But then we all saw the response of the of the birds. We already knew that the uh, uh, water birds and the ducks and the geese were highly dependent on rice, but they really responded to winter flooding. Oh. And so now you have um, we have a half a million acres of rice. And about wow. half of those are winter flooded in, in, in the wintertime, obviously. And, and so that's a quarter of a million acres of surrogate wetlands in a state that has lost 90% of its wetlands. Oh, that's great. That's amazing. But yet we have a, a very important flyway that comes through California called the Pacific Flyway. Uh, one of the biggest flyways in the country, very important a migratory bird corridor. And uh, they need wetlands. And again, 90% of the original wetlands in California are gone. So it was just really a, a lucky situation that rice is the crop that uh, established itself in the Sacramento Valley 100 years ago. Wow. And, that, and that the birds have now adapted to using rice. And it's really, really important. Like, for example, 
60% of everything a duck eats comes out of rice fields wow. uh, in the Sacramento Valley. There still are wetlands. There's about a couple hundred thousand acres of wetlands left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 75,000 acres of those and are in, in the Sacramento Valley. So the birds move back and forth, but they get most of their food now from rice fields. What, what did they used to eat before the, uh, like, so what, in, the, in the natural wetlands that were here, what, what was uh, what was there for, well, the, for the, the, the... The wetlands, of course, highly productive uh, food-wise. In fact, uh, that there's a rice field has about two-thirds the food value of a, of, of, of a natural wetland. Okay, okay. Um, wow. But... We have when when there's you know four times as many rice fields as there are wetlands. Even though we have a little little bit less food, we become critically important. All of our um, water bird conservation partners would agree they don't want one fewer acre of rice in the Sacramento yeah. Valley because right. the birds are simply dependent upon it now. That's that's so funny. It's kind of I, I think about as a as a uh, we we like to do ridiculous. Uh, you know, comparisons to try to, sh to show people what we're talking about. But I feel yeah. like this is kind of like you have this, this annual trip that you take to Vegas every year yeah. to gamble away your, your, your savings. Yeah. And, uh, and on the way to Vegas, you used to stop in Barstow and in Baker to pick up some chips and to pick up some gas. Sure. And it's like a bunch of people in California lit Barstow and Baker on fire. And now they're gone. Yeah. And you still have like one little ga that little gas station up in the hill, you <laughs> yeah, know, that's in yeah, the distance, yeah. like a shell station yeah. that yeah. has a waterfall bathroom. Yeah, like that's that's all you've got. And so now there's nowhere for the ducks to, or the humans. Sorry, yeah. it's humans in this case. Not, I'm, I'm not tracking ducks, this analogy to get to Las Vegas. And yeah. so what's happened now is we've created a new barstow, <laughs> except I'm, that this barstow isn't. I mean, it's it's not quite as it didn't have as good of a McDonald's as the old barstow, right? But it's got a pretty slick uh, uh, Jim's Burgers joint yeah. that that maybe gives you about two thirds of the burgers that you used to get at McDonald's. Except that it's a there's more. It's yeah. a it's a larger barstow, <laughs> and and they have alien jerky, and they have alien jerky also. <laughs> well, you know, is that about right? So it's like we kind of like a happy accident. We accidentally created a, a brand new, larger. Not accidentally, I man. Obviously, done on purpose. But like we we solved a problem by solving another problem. Am yeah. I getting that kind of right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's a classic null analogy. You know, I, I, I forgive me, forgive my ignorance. I didn't know that rice was even made in California. Yeah. I didn't even know that. My my interpretation of rice was like it's we get it from Asia. That's mm -hmm. where it comes from. It's you know what I mean. Honestly, I don't. That is that is my ignorance. That I was just like, there's no way rice is made here because you have the images of the rice fields from over there, yeah. and and you don't get those same images. And when I was introduced to Paul, I'm looking at his site and I'm like, this is here. This yeah. is here. And, and I think we grow yeah. almost everything in California, don't we? <laughs> Pretty I mean, much isn't California, one of those places. Yeah. About 400 different uh, products in California. Are yeah. That's wild. Yeah. The state is rad. And uh, in California, we grow a, new, a unique kind of rice. If you're eating sushi in the United States, you're eating our rice. We, we grow really? all the sushi rice. I uh, did. Oh, that's awesome. I eat sushi. That's like my favorite thing is sushi. So that's pretty that's pretty awesome. It's not mine. It's not his. But I'll eat all his sushi <laughs> that he doesn't eat. Yeah, yeah. But I'll, I'll order it's premium quality, medium and short grain rice. Uh, exactly what those types of cuisines need. That's awesome. Wow. You know, as soon as I found out that rice was grown, I was like, "Well, this is 
at first it was like, okay, well, we know the California raisins. But at one point in time, I mean, they it, had their own TV it, show. Did it come down to <laughs> we were going to go to the California rice grains, or the California raisins? Yeah, they said no. We're they, going raisins. They said we're going full raisins, but, and it changed their trajectory of rice fame forever. Yeah, they didn't going, get the because, California raisins because the game. California raisins got the campaign, <laughs> yeah. and they didn't get the campaign. I heard it through the rice fields. That's it. <laughs> Oh, I'm um, ridiculous. Anyway. Yeah, well, that's 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 awesome. So, all right. So now, uh, what what kind of water birds are we getting now in in these in these newly created winter? Oh, floods? wow. We well, so uh, about six to seven million waterfowl. Um, what? Wow. Area winter. It, it's one of the most important wintering areas uh, in, in the United States. Uh, especially designated as shorebird habitat of international significance. There are these special birds we call shorebirds, which are really struggling worldwide. Yeah. And they, they migrate all over the place uh, and they really need places to rest and refuel. Yeah. Uh, so we provide a lot of habitat for, for shorebirds. A lot of our programs that, that we deliver to the growers to participate in are designed to improve their fields uh, for shorebird habitat, uh, for ducks. We also have a federally threatened species that thrives in our rice field. It's very interesting. It's called the giant garter snake. The giant mm. garter snake? Wow. How big is a giant garter snake compared to the little ones that I see tearing around in my yard? Oh, I, I don't know exactly how long they are, but they're significantly longer than the ones that you see. Really? Enough to warrant the name giant. Uh, right. You know what I mean? Like somebody, I mean, the person could have been exaggerating. Well, but like a giant ant. Yeah, that's, tr- that's true. Isn't, isn't that's I mean, true. it's huge. To, I mean, it's huge, but not bigger than like you. The guy who named the giant ant is like, hey, <laughs> if you compare the ratio of the legs, it's very... It's a very large no, ant. But uh, so, so and, and we have, ahead. by the way, we have an ingrained podcast. We have a podcast that our Jim Morris does. Oh, that's that's awesome. The Rice Commission, and there's a a whole episode on giant garter snake. So really, oh, really, your podcast is called Ingrained. Ingrained. Uh-huh. That's a cool title. It's a great name for podcast. Yeah, way, way to way to use the rice and really you know come <laughs> up with a, a phrase there. That's great. I love it. Oh, that's good. And then so the shorebirds. What's an example of a shorebird that that our audience might know or have heard of? Uh, a killdeer, a plover. Okay. Uh, killdeer is probably one of the most common ones. Uh, that you would see. They're really interesting too, because they they actually put their nests like in the middle of gravel roads. Really? So, so that they'll that they'll put a small nest right in in gravel. And even if you think you know where it is and you're close to it and you go look for it, wow. almost impossible to find it. Really? Um, so so they they thrive thrive very well uh, in California rice. Long billed curlew is one of the largest. Uh, shorebirds we have. We also have avocets and stilts. Stilts? Very, yeah, very very beautiful uh, uh, shorebirds that really, really rely on, on rice fields here in the Sacramento Valley significantly. I'm going to start using long-billed curlew as an insult. <laughs> you long-billed curlew. How dare you? Uh, <laughs> and people will feel it. <laughs> the three partner groups that we work, work most closely with focusing on shorebird conservation would yeah. be Point Blue Conservation Science, Audubon, California, and the Nature Conservancy. Oh, the yeah, Nature I've Conservancy heard of all of those, yeah. The Nature Conservancy actually worked with us for many years to develop this 
system of conservation delivery that we now use uh, in the foundation. We call it our bid for birds program where, nice. where we describe to the growers what type of habitat we want and then the growers will submit bids to us yeah. and we'll evaluate the bid based on price and quality. We'll meet with our partners and evaluate uh, the, the projects and we'll pick the best ones, write contracts for them and get the habitat on the ground very efficiently. That's, That's awesome. You guys are doing some great work. So have you always, like, did you did you go into the California Air Resources Board because you have always been into the environment, or was it just like, well, it's a job, or, or, or like, how, how did you get into this? Because it's, it's an interesting path. I've always been an environmental guy, big yeah. fisherman, hiker, outdoorsman. Uh, I got a degree in environmental science. Okay. Uh, it just happened I was interested in air quality when I, when I graduated from college, and uh, so that was where I landed. And, uh, and I, you know, like I said, I probably would have stayed there had that not that very unique connection between uh, helping the rice growers solve those, those air quality challenges that they sure. had uh, in the early 90s. And then how that turned me into a, a bird expert over the next 20 years. It was, yeah. it was really, really a great ride. And, and, and I work, work with really um, uh, world-renowned partnership groups, Ducks Unlimited, California Waterfowl, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, California Department of Fish and Wildlife. Yeah. You know, I mentioned Audubon, TNC, Point Blue, uh, yeah. but there, there's a whole host of others that we work with, Central Valley Bird Club. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving some out, but it's really about a dozen important groups uh, really uh, work with us and, and recognize that this is so critically important. We need to preserve these rice fields for, for the habitat. Yeah. And uh, not only for the rice that's, that's produced and, and half of it shipped all over the world. Are you born and raised in California? Is this your home state? Yep. yep. That, that, that um, proves our theory. That proves our theory because there's something about environmentalists that when you grow up in beautiful places, it just, it, it strikes your heart. It, it, most of our guests that have come on the show have come from parts of Canada, California, you know, beautiful scenic areas in the world. And it's like that, that captures your, your imagination at a very young age and it just stays with you. And so I think, uh, it's no, no surprise that, a, that a California native found his way into environmental science and then doing this great work. So Good on you. I'm, yeah. I'm really stoked about what you guys are doing. Yeah, that's actually one of the big, big things that we we kind of push on the show, and it's a it's a recommendation from the editor of our of our online uh, magazine, uh, Tara, where she she says like the the number one way to get people into into the environment is to put them in the environment, is to get yeah. them out there. And like, so she's always talking about go out for a walk, whatever's around you. If you live near a beach, go hang out on the beach. If you yeah. live in the mountains, go walk out in the mountains. If you live near a creek or a river, whatever, you live in the desert, go check out what's in the desert. Yeah. There's some beautiful nature out there. Yeah. Anyways, that's so that's that that that's that's cool. Did you ever think that when you were uh, when you were getting because you start off kind of an air, you know, air, uh, like pollution, right? Worrying about about air quality. Did uh -huh. you ever think that you would end up kind of being more a conservationist sort of specialist than like, or was that just? I, I wow. never thought my career would turn in that direction. It, it was really weird, and it, and and it's completely different because in in air quality, it's all about exhaust pipes, trains, planes, automobiles, you know, yeah. everything that, that, that has, you know, a, an exhaust pipe, basically. Uh, yeah, there's sure. obviously a lot, a lot of other sources as well, yeah. fugitive emissions, et cetera. But um, it, it, it's a lot of, you know, modeling and calculating of emissions and, and 
not a lot of biology, you know, right. in that particular particular area. And then I ended up focusing exactly the opposite. Uh, almost <laughs> now I'm probably 90% bugs and bunnies and 10% air. So <laughs> I love that. That sounds like a superhero. Yeah, it does. I'm 90% bugs, bugs and bunnies, bunnies and 10% air. <laughs> See, it's super rice, man. Yeah, yeah that's I love it. it. That's I good. We'll it. give you. We'll get you a cape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what, okay. okay, another thing. This is this is just random because I, I'm curious. Where did you go to college? Um, I went to college at Berkeley. Berkeley. Okay. Yeah. I was half expecting you to say Cal Poly San Luis Obispo because I feel like yeah. every single time anyone we ask anyone who comes on the show, where did you go to college? It's, they all went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Yeah. So yeah. something about. Uh, a lot of our rice growers went there. Went there, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so he could bring in a whole herd. So he'll of them. bring, still bring some. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, There's, yeah. we'll find <laughs> some. <laughs> yeah. Berkeley's a pretty place too. Yeah, that's right, gorgeous up, up there. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's amazing. Very cool. Is there anything that that um that, well, the two things. One is there anything that 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 you would like to kind of any like lesson you've learned or something that that you've you found from your experience uh, in in working with birds and or even you know in air quality or just in doing this that 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 you would pass on that, that a person who is interested in the environment or who's kind of learning about the environment might want to kind of take to heart. Like, is there any like little piece of, of, of your life that you find helps you to, to, to kind of embrace the environment or be, be one with the environment? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> one of the things that um, has become obvious to me as I've represented the rice growers on these environmental issues all this time is that uh, sometimes there's, there's people that just, that they want to go back, right? They, yeah. they, they want to try to make California what it once was long ago. Yeah. Um, the fact remains that, you know, many, many generations prior, uh, we changed the landscape of California. You know, yeah. the Sacramento Valley yeah. once was an inland sea. It flooded, you know, virtually every year. And it was this vast mosaic of natural wetlands. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, we, we, we were society wanted to turn those into more productive areas, urban areas, farmlands, things of that nature. And so now we have uh, largely managed systems in the Sacramento Valley. And, and I like to learn about this idea of reconciliation ecology. That, that's where you try to use the managed system to manage it in a way that gets the benefit, uh, many of the benefits back from, yeah. The, yeah. from the natural system. And that's exactly what we're doing. You know, I like to say we are using essentially the same land and the same water, but now it, we're using it under highly managed uh, 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 scenarios yeah. Yeah. Where, we, where we can deliver the, the water out on the landscape. We, we can put it precisely where and when it's needed based on how we understand uh, the needs of the birds. Yeah. And so it's, we don't just have to throw in the towel because we cannot go back to how California was. There's a right. lot that we can do to provide habitat for these benefits yeah. uh, using uh, these managed systems. And that's exactly what we do. So, you know, I, I've come to appreciate that, yeah, you know, everybody would like to have more of those natural wetlands back, but it's, it's, that's yeah. incredibly, incredibly challenging. In fact, um, we've done analysis. If if the rice fields uh, 
were not, not there providing this amount of habitat, but you wanted to provide the same amount of habitat, habitat with the wetlands, new wetlands, mm-hmm. you'd have to create 235,000 acres of wetlands. You'd have to acquire the land, you'd have to restore it, wow. then you'd have to provide water to it and manage it. It would cost like $3 billion just to create that type of habitat, even if you could. So that, wow. that, that's what it would cost to replace these benefits that are being provided by, uh, by California rice fields managed in the way that we're managing them. And so yeah. uh, it, it, it's just important to realize that um, you, there's a lot you can do uh, with these systems, with the right partners and the right uh, uh, intelligence about, about the resources and things of that nature. And so it, it's very exciting. And that's what our foundation does. Uh, and it does it very efficiently. People donate to our foundation and like 90 cents of every dollar goes right on the ground into a project. Uh, that's, that, that, that's really what we're about right now. And uh, calricewaterbirds.org is uh, where you can find us. That's so cool. That's terrific. I mean, that, that's, that is, it's just, it's, it's the, great it's, advice. It's the right, it's, it's having that attitude, right? Like there, there's, you you can either think it's this, it's, it's go back to the old way or there's no way or, you know, and, and then cause, have a great big fight and try to figure it out and, and get who knows what issues you run into as you're trying to, trying to have it happen. Or you can come up with something that solves, in this case, two problems with one. Yeah. Right. So you, we are reducing the air pollution and also providing habitat for, for water birds. And it's just, it's, it, it is, it's a change of, of uh, it's a, it's a change of attitude a little bit on how to do it. It's like what the end result is we want a cleaner environment. The end result is we want, a planet that works for everything that's on it. So what's the best way to get there? As opposed to how do we turn it back the way it was? Like, how do we, how can we get back there so that we can all survive? We can all yeah. do this together. I'm glad you didn't say hit two birds with one stone. Cause kill, I was like, kill them, murder yeah. those poor water <laughs> Cause birds. Cause I was like, I was like, you were like, get rid of two things at the same time. It was like hit two birds with one stone would not work well in this situation. We're like, we're trying to help the birds. We don't want to hit them with stones. And, uh, and now we are actually in the last three years, in fact, uh, my work has changed significantly because uh, about four years ago, uh, the leadership of the Rice Commission asked me to turn to salmon habitat. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I saw on the site all this stuff about salmon, and I wanted you to touch on that a little bit. And and the reason it's really interesting to talk about the birds first is because uh, the concepts are are very similar, actually, in that um, when we built all the levees and and we forced the Sacramento River to stay in one place because it used to meander and flood uh, in this dynamic system. Uh, uh, We essentially divorced the floodplain from the main channel of the river. Hmm. And all of these salmon, uh, when they would, um, uh, when they were very plentiful in the valley, they would, as young salmon, they would get pushed out into the floodplain where there's not a lot of flow, there's tremendous food, there's cover, there's not a lot of predators. The food is because it's literally solar energy. You have sunlight coming down on on that relatively still water and and it creates this food web that that is spectacular. And so these very small salmon would gobble that food up very quickly and grow, grow fast. And so then when they were pushed back into the main channel of the river to continue their journey to the ocean, they were bigger and more capable of evading predators and, and ha- having good survival out to the ocean. Yeah. So once we, uh, of course, 
put those levees in place, we were forcing these small baby salmon to, to survive in the main channel of the river. And so what we're doing is we're developing ways that we can get those baby salmon out onto the rice fields huh. like we do the birds. Yeah. But it's, as you can imagine, it's a lot harder. It's about the plumbing. It's how, how do you get these fish out there and then how do you get them back? Right. Uh, I've come to realize that, uh, you know, birds are what I call now the the ultimate random accessors of habitat. You, you create the habitat <laughs> and they fly over it, they see it, they go down and they use it, right? Right. With well, their fish, transportation it, system is the best. <laughs> they really got it figured out. Yeah. Uh, with those fish, you really have to, it's all about the plumbing. You really got to kind of ba- babysit them more to get them there. And yeah. But once yeah. they're in the winter, the winter flooded rice fields, the food web is exactly what they need. And they, they grow really fast, amazingly fast. Yeah. And then, so what we've done is we've put, and you can see this at salmon.calrice.org, we've actually put $300 um, um, trackers inside of these baby salmon. So we can track them all the way out to the Golden, Golden Gate and calculate wow. what the survivorship is. Because we know that the fish grow fast in rice fields. Yeah. Uh, the next question was, do they survive better? And right, right. our early data suggests that the answer to that is yes. That's great. And so, so now we're, we're doubling down on a project. I haven't mentioned NRCS yet, the Natural Resources Conservation Service. Mm-hmm. They have funded most of our projects over the last 15 plus years, like wow. to the tune of about $30 million. Holy okay. smokes. And uh, for all of our water bird habitat work, but they're also in now on salmon. That's great. Uh, we've just renewed our second project with NRCS. They're a division of USDA. Yeah. Um, and so for the next three to four years, we'll be implementing a $1.5 million project where we're going to scale up uh, this technique for uh, getting the salmon out on the rice fields, growing them quickly, and getting them back out to the river to see if our rice fields can be used uh, to help these uh, struggling salmon. That's amazing. You guys are doing such fantastic work and uh, I'm glad we're getting the word out. I'm glad we're, we're teaching people, you know, like idiots like me who didn't know the rice was being grown in California, but, but what (laughs) the amazing things that these wetlands are doing, what your foundation is doing and, and for the salmon, it's just so nice to, to kind of get the word out there about this stuff. Yeah. You know? So how can, how can, uh, how can our audience help? How can they, they pitch in? Where can they go to, to, you know, to, to, to donate, to, to help, to learn more, to, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Uh, um, CalRiceWaterBirds.org. Very easy to remember. CalRiceWaterBirds.org. There's Great. all kinds of options there to, to donate. Uh, we, we like to say, uh, we promote this idea of a Habitat Acre sponsor. Yeah. Our, our programs are about 50 bucks an acre. If you want to provide really good habitat, right where and when it's needed. Uh, the great thing is you donate, you get a tax deduction and we do all the work. We'll get the habitat yeah. out there. That's a good and deal. So, uh, so that's the easiest way to uh, uh, contribute to, to habitat in the Sacramento Valley. You, you can literally build habitat by uh, participating awesome. with us. We're also going to be part of big day of giving uh, <laughs> this year. Uh, you can find the big day of giving logo right on our um right on our, our website. I believe that Big Day of Giving is May 7th cool. uh, this year. So we're promoting uh, opportunities to invest in Habitat through Big Day of Giving as well. 
That's fantastic. We'll link all this, you know, like when we post it and promote it. And speaking of days, this airs on Earth Day. Wow. This airs tomorrow on Earth Day. So happy Earth Day, Day, everybody. everybody. April 22nd. Don't forget to plant your trees and and, and plants so the mustachial bristlecone will come in in one month to to deliver gifts from the Earth. That's right. I I wanted to tell Paul about this real quick because we... So we're doing this thing here at uh, Biofriendly Podcast. We came up with... Well, um, we we know. We learned through... Oh, sorry. It's it's true. It's a legend. We were uh, were talking about Earth Day and uh, this Earth Day is wonderful, and it's been going on since 1970, and it's a it's a great event, and people get really behind it. But uh, you know, when I mention it to my kids, they're kind of like, "Cool," and then they move on. Right. So then we had to tell our children that there was, in fact, a magical holiday that comes from Earth Day that people for, somehow forgot somehow about forgot over, over the millennia, thousands of years. Yeah. Which is if you if you go out and you plant something on Earth Day. Then 30 days later, the oldest tree... If you tree, care for it and sorry, keep it alive. you got to care for yeah. it and keep it alive. You can't just plant it and walk away. Okay. 30 days later, you return to where you planted something, and the oldest tree on planet Earth, Mustachio Bristlecone, mm-hmm. will bring you candy... A little, a little gift, something. Leave I mean, it, it varies. Yeah, as, it as, a, as a thank you for giving back to Earth. So we always want to share the legend of Mustachio Bristlecone. Particularly, here the particularly today, because yes. if people are listening to the show today on Earth Day, you should go out and plant. Don't yeah. forget, you've got kids out there who are missing out on, on yeah. great stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Mustachio the tree with a big curly mustache. Yeah, it goes all around the planet. All around the planet. Amazing. Biggest mustache in the world. <laughs> the biggest mustache in the world. <laughs> well, yeah. if, before we wrap things up, uh, is there any any closing things that you'd like to share? Uh, I think we kind of hit most of the, the the main points, but just wanted to double check. We sure did. I, I just really appreciate the opportunity to uh, participate participate with you today, and uh, yeah. Well, um, I really appreciate it. So yeah, we're absolutely. Thank you for, thrilled, thrilled thank you for coming you. on. It was yeah. so, so great to have you. And remember, everybody, this isn't one of those you donate a dollar and then 12 cents goes to the project. Yeah. This I mean, is, they're talking about like is, the bulk of your dollar. You is get going, a dollar and 90% of it's going into the project itself. Only yeah. 10% is to handle all the administration. Yeah. You know, nonsense. And unfortunately, unfortunately, it's real. Yeah. 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 That's the reverse of my foundation, which yes. is which only is, which 10 is the cents to goes Jacob. to the cause, but 90 cents goes to me. Yeah. So the yeah. odd thing about your foundation is that it's so inefficient that even though it's intended so that <laughs> 10 cents goes to you and 90 cents goes to the cost, somehow you still lose. I still lose. All the money goes to administration lose. and you I make am, almost nothing. I'm terrible at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul, this is the part of the show where we let our guests, uh, they can they can say goodbye and end the call if they'd like, or you okay. can stick around and watch us brave our way through the end show tags, which could take anywhere from, you know, 30 seconds to a couple minutes. It just depends minutes. on how long Elise makes me suffer through remembering what the most recent tag is that <laughs> yeah. she knows and I always forget. So it's it's up to you, Paul. What you gonna stick around? Oh no, I'm good. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, love it. Thank you for right, coming, Paul. Paul Butner from California uh, Rice Commission. Uh, check out the uh, California Rice Lands Waterbird Foundation, and uh, we'll put all the links in the show. So thanks for joining us today, and uh, okay. take care. Okay. Thanks. We'll see you soon. All right. Good. Boom. I, I kind of respect sometimes when somebody decides to jump out because yeah. you're like, I get it, man. You got things to do. Yeah, they're like, you, know, you, know, you don't want to sit here and watch this. You booked me for precisely this many minutes. <laughs> exactly. And you get no more minutes. You get no more minutes. Because 
yeah, these are these are important people. We these get are important show. people. We, they, have, they have stuff going on. We are dealing with yeah. some heavy hitters here. Yeah. So, what did you think about that, Elise? Did you feel it like was it? very interesting? I felt yeah. like I was in school again. Right, <laughs> I did too. I felt like, like I learned a lot. Like you, I didn't know if there was rice fields in California at all. I'm thinking there. Totally. Yeah, in overseas. Asia, yeah. yeah, yeah. And when I first met Paul and we talked on the phone, I told him that little tidbit that I wasn't aware, and he was really surprised that I didn't know. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know, man. I think a lot of us don't know, you know. Like, a, and that's why I was excited to have him on. Was right. that I, I don't think a lot, especially in Southern California. Right. Maybe if you live up in Sacramento and you're driving through the farmlands and you see. Uh, a lot more of that area. But when you live in the hubbub, you're kind of like, I don't know, what do we grow? Oranges? Right. What yeah, do we, we do? Grow? We do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I only know that because of soaring over California. <laughs> because they spray citrus as you're flying over the citrus. That is, they, that's my favorite part of that ride. Such a Southern California totally, uh, response. Like, well, the only thing I know about the farming in California is what I learned from soaring through California at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the that's, only that's, reason I know it. Yeah. I mean, you could tell me, yeah, man, we grow uh, you know, we grow b- b- possums here, and I'd be like, oh, "We do." You know, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, like, I yeah, I don't think we. Well, po- possums they grow themselves. We do. They some, do. Some, yeah. But there yeah. might be a possum farm somewhere. And there could you... be a possum farm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's some the quality fur coat. What's 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 something you absolutely know that feels terrible? <laughs> well, possums are kind of gnarly. Yeah, I was gonna say. But what what's something Noel messed that up? Noel is the man who knows every single thing. I swear. No. What I is don't. something that does not grow in California? What is something you absolutely know? This is not an item that can be even made here. It's not possible. Oh, I may have stumped the carol. I think you did stump me. Oh. I mean, it would be you know, it would be something that grows only in specific climates. Well, yeah. Well, uh, I don't. I don't think we grow coffee in California. We don't grow coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Calif- I think coffee needs a, a more a more humid environment. Climate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So someone proved me wrong, but I do not believe we grow coffee in California. Please prove him wrong. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Is there He's a fruit probably that right. we don't grow? A fruit? Yeah, like a fruit that's like more tropical, I would say. Yeah, mm, yeah, impossible. we probably, I mean, some, well. Like dragon fruit? Do we yeah, we, like like Hawaii, they grow a lot of specific yeah. uh, tropical fruits that we grow, don't grow here. Yeah, yeah like the pomegranate? I no, we grow pomegranates. We grow pomegranates. We do grow pomegranates. Right. Yeah, I was but, thinking that. But I'm not, I'm not them. sure, I'm not sure we can do pineapples here. Really? Yeah. And I, yeah, dragon fruits, I don't think we can do those here. Mm. Um, but, you know, California is so, such like a, a diverse environment, though. I mean, really like, we have, we have all sorts. We have, we have so much here. You could potentially grow that maybe if there were more water down here or down in San Diego, maybe you'd get humid enough. But it's just, not, it's a desert. Yeah. It's like either a desert climate or a forest climate. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't really bode well for that kind of stuff. I'm going to try to build a facility where I can grow coffee here so I can be the only <laughs> California coffee maker. Well, if you want to go like that, there's probably somebody You're somewhere right. Right. growing somebody. a small amount of coffee. <laughs> right, right, right. But I mean like you mass, mean like they know that, you, that it's yeah. not ideal to to buy, you know, thousands of acres to grow coffee. Yeah. Right. They know yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway, NFL. by the way, if Paul... Well, and if, in, in greenhouses, you probably could grow pineapples. And you could probably figure out ways to grow... In greenhouses, you can grow anything. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there are people probably growing almost everything here. But yeah. I mean, like, in terms of our farming. Yeah. yeah. Quality that makes sense. And... Yeah. 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 Paul, if you're listening to the show, by the way, this is in the tags. We're just enjoying kind of uh, sitting here chit-chatting. It's actually kind of nice to have reviewing. this little post-show wrap-up. Yeah. Up I think maybe, maybe, maybe we should... Maybe we should start throwing people out. Say, hey, thanks for coming. 
Goodbye. I think, I think maybe that could be it because I think sometimes it's nice to reflect on what we learned and like what the guest was sharing. You know, this is nice. Well, particularly particularly because we have Elise now. We have Elise. Yes. So I feel like we get like almost an outside perspective because you and I are so stuck in the middle of the whole thing. <laughs> right. It's to get somebody to say They like, just hey, got a chance to listen, listen to it. Yeah. So. so let's make that the new thing. Let's do it. We'll have to prepare our people, except for those who are desperate to stick. Like, like we can't. Like Sean Coney at Christmas. Oh no, no, not friends, Clayton, Sean, they're they'll, they're just on the show. They're not going to want to leave. No, they want to stay. They won't do it. They yeah. won't. Leave. It will. I can't get them to leave. It'll literally be a four-hour um, show because yeah. we can't get them to leave. Yeah. No, I agree. I think going forward, we have the guest, and then we say thanks for joining us, and then you have this little post wrap up because yeah. Elise does change. She adds. She she makes it better. She enhances the thing. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Anyway, well, we've been your beacon of light in a gloomy environment. Carefully avoiding neonicotinoids. Uh, the Siegfried and Roy of podcasts. This show blows. No, this, no. <laughs> this no, show not. is a joke. <laughs> Every single time he wants to say our show blows. Like the, like the wind. It's because you're such an right. environmentalist. Um, oh. That's what I meant. This show is a joke. And then mine is never believe. <laughs> never believe. And? And... Uh, step. step one, <laughs> dance. <laughs> step one. Step one. What is step chill one? Chill out. Oh, is it? That's that makes sense. Step one, chill that's out. That's a lot more. The yes. dancing doesn't. Yeah, it's not as good as. <laughs> well, dancing is a yeah, good. Like, yeah. It's a good step one. Step one. Maybe the T-shirt <laughs> should, should say "How to Save the World." Step, step one, one dance. dance, and then it's crossed out. <laughs> yeah, and then it says "Step two, chill out." <laughs> yeah. It's like a person who's trying to figure it out. That's the shirt. Yeah, I think on the bag, don't blow up the moon. Yeah, yeah, don't blow up the moon. (laughs) Don't blow up the moon. Yeah. Please don't blow up the moon. We need it. And then on this show, this show blows crossed out. Right. (laughs) It should be a shirt with all of the mistakes. So the front is like this. Step one, dance. And then there's a cross line through it. It says chill out. In the back, this show blows and then crossed out. (laughs) Right? That could be an annual T-shirt. Which is every year t-shirt. you have, so there'll be the 2021 Biofriendly Podcast tag shirt. The tag shirt. And it's shirt. literally reviewing every tag from the year. Then they can become collector's items. And then they're collector's items. And then you go, well, I have the 2021. Well, I have the 2022. And they have all the different things and the yes. jokes all over the shirt. <laughs> that is kind of cool, man. You guys help us grow this show so big that that, that makes sense to make Well, oh, which reminds me, if you are listening to the show right now, don't forget to tell your friends. Yes. That they can find us anywhere. On, yes. They can find us even on. Anywhere. On Google Podcasts. There is not a, <laughs> there's not a platform that doesn't host us. Huh? Huh? There's a Google podcast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's our. It's one <laughs> yeah. of. It's one of the lower percentages right. of listenership because I don't think a lot of people, you know, uh, check out Google Podcasts. But we're primarily iTunes, yeah. Spotify, Spotify iHeartRadio, Pandora. We're on Pandora now. We're on Pandora. We yeah. shuffle randomly. Yeah. 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 We're on. Yes. Exactly. Right? <laughs> you they pick. Can, a, you pick a podcast and they'll throw <laughs> us at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and, uh, and we're we're on uh, the iHeartRadio. We're on iHeartRadio. Yeah, and that's a big one. It is. It's a bit surprisingly massive. I didn't realize how many people use that. Service. I think I think it's huge for boomers. Boomers. Yeah, but not yeah. but not just boomers. Lots of people use it, but yeah. I think that, that boomers love it. I think Boomer it's Sooners, yeah. like people from OU. Yeah. There you go. Boomer Sooners. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my Oklahoma joke of the day. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's pretty much it. No, well, well, thanks for having us, Jacob. <laughs> Cheerio. Cheerio. <laughs> and Elise says, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Still working on it. <laughs> no, I like that, actually. Bye. 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 <laughs> it's the Bio-Friendly Podcast. It's the Bio-Friendly Podcast.